All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, February 6th of 2023. Uh, it is a great week. It is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. Going to be a fun, action-packed week. Looks like we got an eight-game NBA slate tipping off tonight. We got a six-game hockey slate. There is golf this week. There is MMA on Saturday. Super Bowl is on Sunday, so no better time to be playing DFS. If you are not joined up with SaberSim, I would recommend clicking the seven-day no-strings-attached free trial link in the description below. Coming on this show, getting your questions answered ahead of all the action this week. And a uh, surprise announcement, we are going to be hosting a NFL showdown slash Super Bowl specific stream on Friday. I will be there. Jordan will, will be there. And I believe Matt will be there as well. So it should be a fun stream on Friday. Do not miss it. If you guys have questions about NFL showdown, Super Bowl specific, throw them in the Office Hours channel. I'm going to be creating a list of questions throughout the week for us to talk about, want to get some feedback as to what people want to know ahead of Super Bowl Sunday. So want to let everybody know about that. But getting back to office hours, my name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the office hours channel in our Discord server. There is a link to the Discord in the description below. You can also ask questions live in the YouTube chat. We'll get to all the questions before the end of the show. But that being said, going to get SaberSim pulled up here. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm really looking forward to that show on uh, Friday. I love having Jordan and Matt on, picking their brains, and uh, just, just hearing what they have to say. You know, if, if you guys are on the pro plan, there's been a lot of pro content with Jordan and Matt specifically. And just two sharp individuals, uh, been playing DFS a long time, and uh, just a wealth full of knowledge if you guys ask the right questions. So, Going to uh, hop in the Discord here. Only one question to get us started today. So if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. But it looks like we had one question here from Snowman, who was so kind enough to send us a picture of a lovely beach while he was on vacation, I believe, last week. So Snowman said, what's up, Sab or, uh, Saberson, back from vacation. Let's win some big money. Thank you, Andrew, for the shout-out. Just caught up watching all the office hours. NBA question, should you play the backup player when the starter goes out or should you look somewhere else? Uh, so this is a good question, right? I will say that, you know, usually here uh, what is going to happen is like, uh, you know, let's look at Brooklyn for tonight, right? Brooklyn's a great example. Kyrie just got traded to the Mavs for anybody who missed that. I don't think Dinwiddie or uh, Dorian Finney-Smith are ready to make their debut yet. And I believe KD is still hurt. So probably going to be a lot of value over here on Brooklyn. What, what you're mostly trying to capitalize on when, you know, a starter gets ruled out is the fact that salaries are static. So, you know, DraftKings releases uh, the salaries for the slate probably yesterday night. And then news breaks throughout the day. Let's say somebody, uh, you know, gets ruled out. And now they come into a lot of usage. They come into a lot of extra minutes that they were not expected to have when those salaries got released. 
So now this player is a great value play because their salary does not accurately reflect their new projection, right? So a lot of times when a guy is out and a backup is starting, that guy is usually a really good play, right? And and we will kind of tell you that. I think the best way to identify those situations is sorting by the value column. And let's look at the highest value play for tonight, which would be Jaden Hardy over on Dallas. So if I go and filter to Dallas, you know, Luca is out. Kyrie is not on the team yet. Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith just got traded. Uh, Christian Wood, questionable tonight. This would be his first game back from a fractured thumb. Uh, you know, the 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 highest salary player on Dallas tonight, not named Christian Wood, is Tim Hardaway at 5,200. So, so guys like Josh Green, guys like Jaden Hardy uh, come into a lot of minutes, come into a lot of usage at a very low salary. So I think these plays are great. Sabersim is going to kind of tell you that, hey, you know, this guy, his point per dollar ratio is uh, very high. That means like he's probably mispriced based on the situation. And that player is probably a good play. Not to say that, you know, all value plays are good plays. You know, the ownership comes into account. Uh, what I would really recommend doing is, you know, run a research build, run a test build and see how much these players are coming up. If you want to find, you know, closer to like the players like optimal on a, on a big eight game slate, I would run like a zero zero nine build and see how often that player is coming up. You could run a build at default settings and just see how much of this player the builder is putting in your lineups as well as your pool of lineups and then kind of try to figure out, you know, compared to the player's ownership because I think that's kind of what uh, you should always be taking into account is exposure versus ownership. Uh, is this player a good play? So so those are my thoughts. Snowman, let me know if you have any follow-up. All right, hopping over to the YouTube chat. Franklin said, hey, Andrew, are we going to start having NASCAR projections? If not, can you show how to upload projections from one site and put into yours? So, Franklin, good question. We will have projections for Daytona. Uh, we did not have projections for the Clash this weekend. I uh, actually attended the Clash, so I got to uh, uh, enjoy that live experience. Actually, my first NASCAR event. So it was fun. I had a good time. But the reason that we did not have projections was due to the format. So you know, qualifying usually happens like the day before, but, but qualifying happened during the heats and the last chance qualifying, which took place, you know, which finished up about an hour before lock. So just with the uh, heats and the last chance qualifiers and, you know, going from 40 drivers down to 27, uh, we did not have, we could not support that format, but for something more standard like Daytona, we will have NASCAR projections. So just, just a side note there. I didn't know that going into the weekend. Uh, Manny asked about it in the Discord. So, uh, sorry, Manny. I wasn't aware of, of the strange format and how that was all going to work out. But we will have NASCAR projections. We do sim NASCAR. If you ever want to upload projections, what you can do is you come over to this upload tab. If you download a CSV from another site or you have your own CSV where you're doing projections like and you, and you export it, uh, you can upload here. And then it will just take you to like a file upload. We will read the column headers and we can uh, match them to an extent. I would I would always double check this and make sure that the right columns are being matched. Or what you could do is you could just copy and paste. You know, you have a file, Excel file, uh, uh, CSV, whatever you want. You just copy and paste the file, the, the columns you want. You just paste it right into this uh, top left cell. 
and then make sure the columns match. You hit save, and then that will upload the file into SaberSim. The owner, the projections go into this editable my proj column. The ownership goes into this editable my own column, and then you could either leave it in those in those uh, columns and just run your lineups with that, or you could uh, you know save the projections and ownership if you're on the pro plan, and then you could possibly do like some aggregation if you know there's more than one site that you want to use. So that's how you do it, Franklin. Let me know if you have any follow-up. All right. Uh, next and last question right here from 8Game. If anybody has any questions, please get them in the chat. All right. 8Game said, um, I'm 150 maxing four different contests on the DraftKings main slate today. Would it be best to use my top 600 lineups sorted by rank and the cost of the contest, or would I be better off using my top 150 for each contest. Okay, good question here. So I do think that it is best to run a unique lineup for each of these contests. So if I had 600, well, okay. So so I'm going to I'm going to give you guys like uh two answers here. So so first, you should always our 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 standard messaging is you should play a unique lineup for each entry. Uh I think that's good advice. I think that's sound advice. So if I was, if I was doing this 600 lineups, I would build our 600, you know, entries, I would build 600 lineups. And then in the entry editor, what I would do is I could probably just demo this. So I'm going to go over to my entries. I'm going to hit download. Uh, this is on FanDuel, which I have entries for tonight. So FanDuel is going to pop up here and I'm just doing this off the screen really quickly. I'm going to download my CSV here. And then I'm going to bring it into SaberSim and upload it, right? So, boom, CSV is in the entry editor. This is this is what I – or or so, so, so from here, right, I have 383 entries. Best practice is to build a unique lineup for each entry. I do think that sorting by price pool is the best option. So, what I would do is I would put, like, I would just look at the contest name. So, you know, it says uh, 9K fadeaway. So, 9K is the highest price pool, then – and then piggy bank here, and then there's like a 4K of another 4K, a 3K. So you could just uh, use a little drag and drop feature and and move these around, right? And order them accordingly. So that that is best practice. I'll tell you guys something that I do that that is is different from that, but maybe you know some of you guys are playing like a similar style. So I just want to be kind of real with the, with you guys. Uh, I only build a unique lineup for contests where the first place prize pays for my entry fees for the day. So here, you know, I have this like 250 NBA small dribbler. It's like a $1, 300 person entry contest. I'm playing it because it's under $3 and uh, I want as much action under $3 as I can get, but I don't really care about a $25 uh, first prize. It's not going to pay for my entry fees for the day. So like for, for this contest, I'm probably not building a unique lineup. So that's something that I like to do. Uh, you know, all of these satellites, like I just max out all of the satellites on in the uh, under $3, you know, this, this trade a shot, it's a, it's a $3 ticket. Uh, do I really want a unique lineup in my $3 ticket? You know, I could, but, but I don't, I don't do that. Uh, I don't, I don't care enough to do that. Uh, mostly because, if I were to like add these up, you know, this is a probably like 200 ish lineups that I actually uh, care about first prize. 
but I have 383 lineups. So, so what I think about is like, you know, what I think my exposures are going to, if I did a unique lineup for each of these, what I think my exposures are going to look like might be different in my top 200 than in my total 383. I might think, you know, oh, I have so much of this player, but a lot of that is coming in my like last 183 entries. And then I don't have that player in like the ones that I care about. So I mostly just uh, build based on the prize pools that I care about and then let those duplicate into my satellites. But that's mostly because these satellites are like $3 tickets, $4 tickets, $5 tickets, whatever it may be. So it's kind of what I do. Uh, if you're not playing a bunch of satellites and mostly GPPs, which it sounds like you're doing, there are not a lot of 150 max GPPs. I would just build 600 unique lineups, order them by prize pool, and then fill using unique ring. But good question there. Eight game. All right. Next question from Ryan Nelson said, when we get MLB back, you get tennis and esports in the morning and then MLB, NBA, NHL at night. Spring can't come soon enough. And then and then also, Ryan, you know, on like Thursdays, travel days, you know, you get those day MLB slates. Uh, you get you get the double, you know, MLB slash PGA sweat on a Thursday morning. Like you can't beat that, you know? So so having having those day slates is is always fun, along with esports and tennis, you know, PGA on Thursday, Friday, and then you get some MLB day baseball. So uh yeah, I, I am very much looking forward to spring. All right, Ruck said, Andrew, hope all is well. I've been trying to trying the custom metrics from Jordan's latest pro video and have a question. Uh, I think it's, I think this is once. Once the slate locks and we go to late swap, Jordan mentions it's best not to use the metrics anymore and turn off ownership fade. In doing this, doesn't it remove the metrics you originally set and late swap in players you were originally trying to avoid. So, so Ruck, uh, I have seen Jordan's video. I am aware of it. I would recommend, you know, I don't, I don't really want to speak on Jordan's behalf. It is, it is Jordan's metric and uh, something that he came up with, you know, through a lot of discussion and trial and error from, from what I understand. So if you have questions about Jordan's metric, I would post it in the pro channel and I would tag him. Uh, I, I will say, you know, something that, you know, maybe I should talk to him about is, is how do you handle, you know, your metric when, when only a small percentage of a slate locks at lock time, like we have two games, you know, on an eight game slate that lock right at uh, 7 PM Eastern here. Uh, you know, that's, that's such a small portion, you know, to, to take, conti to continue to take advantage of the metric. I think you would probably want to use it more throughout uh, the night, but, but I, I only watched the video one time, so I would really direct any questions about the metric to Jordan. All right. Uh, A-game said, I'm going to play the $15, the $8, the $6, and the $2. Yeah, so A-game, you know, I, I would recommend uh, sorting them descending in that way. So so in the entry editor, you know, put the $15, put the $8, put the 6 put the $2. Uh, one thing I will say is you know if you have access to the two dollar that means that you probably have access to all contests under the three dollar threshold so um i would also play the 50 cent mini max i would play the one dollar 20 max i would play the quarter jukebox like get as much action in those contests where the best players cannot play the giant squids the crafty lefties the shady advices the uh the kurtz the ocd oc d 
DOBV, I think, is is uh, is the letters there. So get as much action where those players cannot play. You, you can never go wrong by doing that. You know, I, I say on the stream a lot, you know, you can be the best, you can be the 10th best poker player in the world, but if you're sitting at the table with the other nine, then now you are the worst player at the table. So keep that in mind. Try and get as much action where you are a favorite so you have positive long-term EV. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of that as well as playing these other contests. Uh, Ruck said, I'll hit him up. Thanks. Yeah, uh, you know, don't don't want to just uh, lead you astray, I guess, and and uh, would rather you you hear it straight from the horse's, horse's mouth in, in that instance. All right, Samuel Campana said, Hey, Andrew, regardless of the sport, maybe when creating rules, is it better to have more than one within the rule or make single ones instead? Thanks. Okay. Um, Sam, I'm going to need an example here. So if you could like, give me like a sport with like a scenario, uh, we could talk about it from that point of view, but that would be really helpful to me. So reading this one time, regardless of the sport, when creating rules, is it better to have more than one within the rule or make single ones instead? Thanks. Yeah. Give me an example. Help me out a little bit with that one. So, so you said golf, uh, give, give me like some players, you know, show, show me kind of what kind of rule you're trying to create, please. All right. A game said, that being said, how many more lineups would I need to create to add the 50 cent ones? Uh, so the, the 50 cent is 150 max, you know, it's going to really like, like I said, you know, approach I like to take is, um, you know, do the entry fees for the contest, or is the, is the first place payout for a contest, you know, pay off my entry fees for the day, right? So that's something I like to think about. Um, I, I I honestly don't know what that pays. I think it pays like 2K to first. Uh, might not be enough if you're maxing the 15, the 8, the 6, and the 2. But if you think that you could build 600 positive EV lineups, there's no reason not to put them in that contest, right? It's like another $75. Um I would, I would work that in and, and then, you know, if, if you duplicate the contests, the, the entries that go into the $15 in the 50 cent, they'll probably do better in the 50 cent. Uh, that, that contest is not as sharp. So, you know, a, a lineup that comes in, uh, I don't know, 10th in, in the, in the fadeaway in the $15 might come in first in the 50 cent. That's kind of what I'm trying to say is that, you know, uh, you, the, the, the players are not as sharp. So, in theory, the lineups, the, what it takes to win the contest should be lower. So you should probably have a higher expectation in the 50 cent over time than you would have in the $15. And then if you have a high expectation in the $15, then you're just going to crush the 50 cent. So there's no reason not to play that. All right. Sam said, uh, I'll say golf, for example, birdies and bogeys. Okay. So uh, let's go to golf. And I'm going to go back to last week because we do not have projections up for this week yet so i'm gonna go back to the second here we got our uh golf projections from last week we can see you know who missed the cut and, and who made it wow matt fitzpatrick ended up missing the cut uh i wonder if he withdrew i, I didn't i didn't keep up you know did he withdraw because i know he was having that neck issue or he just played bad because of it there was a lot of uh talk about you know fitz came in solo owned and uh you know if you 
if you faded him because of the neck injury, then, you know, you're just giving up edge and then he misses the cut. So I don't know if he was a good play or a bad play, uh, but but I'm just on the outside looking in. Uh, Sam said he just played really bad. Yeah, I, I, I sounds like he probably tried to push through and just didn't uh, end up getting there. So, okay. So when creating rules, is it better to have more than one within the rule or make single ones instead? Okay, so uh, Sammy, we're talking about players, right? So if I want to do like a group, let's say manual rule and, or automatic rule, and then use at least one. If you're trying to do stat requirements, if if you're asking like, uh, you know, use at least one where birdies are greater than, I don't know, what's a good birdie number here? Let's sort by birdies. Let's say use at least one where birdies are greater than, I don't know, 16. 16 seems like a good number. And then bogeys are less than, um, sort by bogeys here. Let's inversely sort by bogeys. Where bogeys are less than, uh, let's say, let's say 7.5. So, so what this is going to do, right? If you're doing a if you're doing a group automatic rule with more than one stat requirement, it's just going to make that pool of players smaller, right? So I'm going to say this as a manual rule, so we can go into this and look at it, and then we'll 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 do this a couple different ways. So I have this rule with birdies uh, greater than 16, bogeys less than 7.5. I have 12 players who meet that criteria, right? So pretty pretty small group of players there who ultimately meet that criteria. Uh, I want to go back to projection and see how many of those players meet that criteria. It looks like it is the top 12 projected players and nobody else meets that criteria, but then, okay. So then we we've tried it with both together. So then now let's try with one in one. So I'm one, I'm just going to do the, the birdies. I'm going to save as manual. And then I want to come into this. So we had 12 in that double stat. And then now we still have just 12 in this stat. And then let's try the bogeys thing. So so this is kind of the process, I guess, is is a better way that, that I could talk about this. Is this is kind of the process that I would go through to determine, you know, what makes these roles different. And uh, what am I gaining or or giving away by using this rule? So so here, you know, if we do bogeys less than seven point five, uh, we get eighteen players. But you know, when I when I sort by projection, it is still like the top eighteen players in in the the rule. So um, when we did birdies, it was the same. When we did birdies and when we did birdies alone, it was the same as birdies and bogeys. And then when we adjusted bogeys, we got a higher, um, we got more players, but just from the top, I, I, I would frankly like to see something if I'm doing a group auto rule where, you know, you find some, find some value. Like all we're doing is all we're doing by this, you know, I know this was just like an example rule. Um, but what it does is like we're just grouping the top projected players, right? And I, I don't think there's a ton of value by doing that. I would try and find some combination where like 
you could you could figure out you know how to mix in guys uh, that could be lower projected, but have some good secondary stats that you might want to take advantage of for a particular event, and then maybe like miss some guys kind of at the top ranges. I don't know what that would look like. I don't play enough golf to do that, but I just think that you know like instead of doing it by stat, you might as well just do by projection. I guess is my point. Like like why am I you know grouping by by birdies and bogeys, if it's still only giving me the top 12 projected guys, I might as well just put them in a group by projection and then say, you know, use at least, you know, two, three, whatever I want. So I would, I would, I would mess around with the stat requirements and just see, you know, what combination of players you're getting for the rule with stat requirements and then figure out, you know, if you want to use just one stat, two stats, three stats, and, and figure out what's the best for, for the goal you're trying to accomplish. Right. I think it really comes back to your target, uh, what were you trying to accomplish and are you accomplishing it with that rule? I would always ask yourself that when applying a rule, when building lineups with a rule. All right. Uh, Sam said, did the bug of greater than making the cut get fixed yet? Uh, frankly, I am not sure. I did take that back to the team and I can follow up on it. So uh, greater than stat requirement bug follow-up so i will uh i will let you know on tomorrow's show sam all right that is all the questions in the queue in both the youtube chat and the discord still only about like uh 25 minutes into the stream i'm gonna go ahead and do the look at the nba to see if any more questions come in for a little bit. So let me get my screen pulled up here and we will start talking about the NBA injury report. If anybody has any questions, it's a great time to get it in while we take a look here. Uh, just trying to keep the stream going a little bit longer, but all right, first things first, you know, a game Monday slate, uh, want to look at questionables, right? So Jalen Brown, definitely look at Jalen Brown. Isaiah Stewart, I believe Jalen Duran would probably be a good play if, if Isaiah Stewart sits. Uh, Karis LeVert been out the last two games. I believe Chetty Osman is, is or Seti Osman, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, has been getting a lot of uh, playing time with, with LeVert out. So that is something I would be looking into, like who is first off the bench with LeVert out. Uh, Bradley Beal questionable, something to note there as well. We know that Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are probably not playing. Uh, ben Simmons is questionable, right? He is like the the last uh, high salary man standing on Brooklyn. So if if you know if he plays, you know probably a, a ton of usage there. But if he doesn't play, then you know who kind of steps into that role, right? So definitely concerned about you know want to know what happens with Jalen Brown, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, might want to look into who is coming off the bench a lot with Cleveland. Don't know how important that will be, but always good to know, uh, you know, if, if Bradley Beal sits, who who plays a lot, you know, they got rid of Rui Hachimura already. Uh, if Bradley Beal sits, you know, who comes into that role? And we could maybe make some guesses. Uh, is it Kendrick Nunn? You know, is he, is he the next man up here? We could also look at um, depth charts, right? So, ETR has like free NBA depth charts. It was in the research video that Jordan and I did. So going to hop over here and, you know, let this load, see who is listed behind Bradley Beal. They usually do a good job of, 
updating these and we could easily come into this website and navigate to the team that we want to see. So taking a little bit to load here, um, but it is coming up nonetheless. So let's let this load. Uh, we can keep going through the depth charts or the injury report until this loads, but a little funny here. So I'm going to give that a reset. All right. Uh, TJ Warren's back. TJ Warren has been out. So he is a, uh, been pretty involved off the bench, I would say. So definitely someone to note there. Caruso, I believe, missed last game. Keldon Johnson is important. So, and Jared Vanderbilt, it's like like a maybe. So it looks like a lot of this news is kind of in the earlier games and not the later games. So I, I think there's less of a reason to kind of uh, build in some of that late swap flexibility. I would just be, uh, you know, this news might come out really close to lock. So try and be ready to make some swaps and make some adjustments on the fly. All right. So as well as looking at questionables, want to see who is out. Uh, Marcus Smart is already out. Looks like he's been out for a little bit. Ricky Rubio is resting. So that's another important point with the Levert news. If Levert sits again, you know, now their uh, options are like Dean Wade, uh, Chetty Osman, and uh, I believe there's like one other person that comes off the bench quite a bit. But Ricky Rubio has been playing like 20-ish minutes a game off the bench. So those are definitely minutes that need to be absorbed somewhere. Uh, Seth Curry is already out. Important to note there. Trey Jones is still out. Langford's out. SoCan is out. Now if Keldon Johnson sits, you know, I know that uh, Malachi Branham started last week and uh, somebody else started. Josh Richardson started and they they were both uh, a little cheaper on the salary on FanDuel from what I saw. So if we go find San Antonio here, uh, you know, Kelvin Johnson is the highest salary active player on San Antonio. So with, with Kelvin Johnson out, you know, San Antonio could be a major value spot on tonight's slate as well. So watching San Antonio there, uh, we already know about Dallas with Luca out with Kyrie, not there yet. So a lot of value on Dallas and that's about it. So I'd say, you know, Dallas is a big value spot. Uh, San Antonio could be a big value spot. Brooklyn's a big value spot. And then uh, we might want to look into what happens with Cleveland here with all of these uh, secondary players out. You know, do the primary players get more runs? Does the starting five play more? That's also important, right? That is another scenario. It's not like, it's not always next man up. It might be, uh, you know, somebody like Kuzma plays some extra minutes. So something we might want to look into there. But that is our injury report roundup for today. Hope you guys making some notes of things to watch throughout the day. All right. Got a question here from Ruck. Going back to eight games question about unique lineups. How do you set your contest details when building some contests may have 1,000 entrants and some 40,000 entrants? Okay, good question, Ruck. A couple of different ways to handle this. I'll give you I'll give you three options. So option number one is you use something in between uh, the settings. So let's say you know, you're playing 150 max. With one to ten thousand, I would write this down and say, okay, three, two, seven sliders, and then I'm playing, you know, maybe one with over uh, over fifty thousand entrants. That's like a three, four, nine. So then in this scenario, I play like a three, three, eight, which is right in the middle of the two. So you can balance it out and do it like that. You can also use a, a second option is you use the slider settings for your most money invested slate. So. 
whatever one has, you know, the highest percentage of your bankroll allocation, optimize for that one and uh, build based on that. Option number three is you build based on the highest sliders and say, you know, I'm going to build with the highest sliders. And in theory, you know, um, it might be overkill for some of these lower size contests, but I know that lineups built using the highest sliders can uh, easily take down something that is uh, less total entrance. So those are like the three ways that I would think about it. I think doing it based on, you know, what your highest bankroll allocation um, makes like the most sense. That's probably the way I would do it. But, um, but yeah, a couple options for you there. No wrong or right answer. Got to pick the one that feels the best to you, makes the most sense to you. But all right, everybody. Uh, just had that last question from Ruck. We'll be right back here tomorrow, Tuesday, February 7th, for our uh, next Office Hours show. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. For those of you who weren't here at the start of the show, we are going to be doing a special NFL showdown slash Super Bowl focused stream on Friday. It'll be myself. It'll be Jordan. Probably going to have Matt on as well. Uh, you know, barring any changes, Matt is a very busy person. But we do want to get the crew on here to talk about NFL showdown. So if you guys have NFL showdown questions, throw them in the office hours channel. I'm not going to answer any of them until Friday, but I am going to be uh, tagging those in uh, questions so we can have some things to talk about come Friday. So Super Bowl this weekend should be a lot of fun. And until tomorrow, I will see you all. Take care.